Sorry. No. Okay. All right, so today we're going to do another hybrid shear. So we're in the introduction to Baruch Amar, and we're actually going to talk about Baruch Amar this time, not just Pesukah Zimra in general, um, but also tying it in again to Rosh Hashanah. Because I don't know about you, but in Elul, if I don't tie it into Rosh Hashanah, oh, by the way, I am not ready for Rosh Hashanah. I bought that Teshuva book, and I oh. barely read it. But it is, wow. Oh, yeah, so right? It's mine. I tried mind. to buy it, but it's, I'm like it? on a waiting list. Not a waiting list. I bought it, but oh, it's wow. not going to be ready for a while. I'm going to be too oh, wow. late. What is it called? Bet. Chuva. I might have you it get here. It on this one. one. I did. Oh, but I got the last one. <laughs> you must have. I got it while Shuva we were Chuva Restoring here. Life. I mentioned this last week. That was smart. And that, that really um, smart. it's by Rabbi Ruven Leichter. And I, I shared an article when it, this when came out. Oh, okay. We I might have so more bad. copies in here somewhere. Here, I like had you do it right away. But it's okay. It's an amazing article. Not to forget. Yeah, it. no, I get yeah. it. Hi, good morning. Okay. Like so that book is amazing, but it's you have to go slow. It's rich. It's, it's so, it's, it's so like, good. it's almost like paragraph by paragraph to sink in a little bit, but it's worth it. Okay. So Baruch Shamar. So I'm, I'm going to read it through real quick. Just let's get like the rhythm of it. Baruch, which is a big step forward for us, because we've spent months now introducing Baruch Shamar. Baruch she'amar ve'hayaholam. Blessed is Hashem who spoke and the world was. Baruch who blessed is He. I, I'm using like a standard translation, right? We've talked a lot about the word Baruch. Baruch osevreshis. Blessed is He who does bracious the beginning, the creation of the world. Baruch Omer ve'ose. Blessed is he who speaks and does. Baruch gozer umekayim. Blessed is he who decrees and fulfills. Baruch mirachim al haaretz. Blessed is he who has mercy on the land. Baruch mirachim al habrios. Blessed is he who has mercy on his creations. Baruch mishalem sachar tov lireav. Blessed is he who repays very good reward to those who fear him. Baruch chay lo ad v'kayam Blessed is he who is eternally alive and exists forever. Baruch Pode Umatzio, blessed is he who redeems and saves. Baruch Shemo, blessed is his name. Baruch Hashem Elokinu Melech Blessed are you, Hashem, our master and king of the universe. Hakel Ha'av Harachaman, the mighty Lord, the Father who is merciful. Hamehulal Befiyamo, who is praised, and we talked about the word Hallel as praise that is a reflection of what we've seen his acts to be in the world, in the mouths of his people, Meshubach umefoar bilashon chasidav avadav. It's difficult because you know they have this saying that Eskimos have twenty words for snow. It's not exactly true, but the concept is true, right? We talked about that. Jews have a lot of words for praise. <laughs> okay, English doesn't, so it makes it hard sometimes to translate. With you're just saying the same thing, Meshubach umefoar that he's praised and he's praised. We'll get to these words in detail, like what the actual meanings are in later classes. Bilashon chasidav avadav, in the language of those who, who love him and serve him. Uvashire David avdecha, and with the songs of David, your servant, nehalelcha, we will praise you, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem our God, bishvachos uvizmiras, with praise and with song. Negadelcha, we will amplify your greatness, and praise you, and praise you. We will recall your name, and proclaim you our king, our king, our lord. The only source of life in all the universe. He is king, he is praised forever and ever. His name is great. Blessed are you, Hashem who is the king who is glorified in praise. Okay, so a lot going on there, but the, the rhythm that I wanted to make clear here, we mentioned last time that the structure of Psuke de Zimmer is, this is the opening bracha, and the closing bracha is Yishtabach at the end. Okay, and in between is the process that is bracketed by those two brachos. All right, the pattern that I wanted to bring out here was, it's something you notice, but we're used to it, is that this bracha could have started, Baruch HaTashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, HaKel HaAv HaRachaman HaMehula B'Fiyamo. That's how brachas normally start. This bracha has a preface. There's a whole section at the beginning, right? Baruch She'amar V'Haya HaOlam. Baruch Hu. Baruch, it's all those baruchs that 
like before the bracha really started. Okay? So, where does this Baruch Sha'amar come from? The history of Baruch Sha'amar is funny in that it's a little bit murky. It's not perfectly clear how old it is. So there's, for example, um, in the time, in the times, let's say, of the Amoraim, so the main, the bulk of the Jewish community by then was in Bavel, in Iraq and Persia. And the head of the Jewish community, who actually had a lot of political power, was called the Reish Galusa, which means the head of the Galus, Rosh Galut, the Reish Galusa. The Reish Galusa was a descendant of the House of David, meaning the kings, right? You had the kings from the House of David, and their, their descendants still had tremendous power. They were subject to the kings of Bavel, but it was still significant. They were an important person. They were the liaison to the Jewish community and from the Jewish community to the king. They had also, there was a lot of power within the community. So for there to be punishment and taxes, taxes levied and things like that. So when a new Reish Kalusa would be appointed, there would be a choir of Bahram on Shabbos and it, of his being appointed. And they would sing Baruch She'amar. And after each of the phrases, everyone would answer, Baruch Hu. So it would, here we have Baruch She'amar Olam Baruch Hu as the response, right? It's sort of like Baruch Hu Baruch Shmo in response to a bracha. But they said it after all of them. So they would say Baruch Osef Reishis, Baruch Hu. Baruch Omer Ve'ose, Baruch Hu. Baruch Gozer Mekayim, Baruch Hu, which is just like, I don't know, it's like a beautiful thing just to realize like this is such a high and beautiful praise that it was used, it's kind of like they weren't crowning a new king, but it was the closest thing to what we had then. Okay, so that's the appointing of the Reish Galusa. You say, okay, so we know it goes back as far as that. There's, there's a Gemara that brings the terminology of Baruch Sha'amar, but it doesn't have the whole opening part which means that some form of Baruch Sha'amar was already there and established in brachos, like all of our other brachos, for a long time. But you can't be sure that the whole thing was as it is then. And you don't have the proof of it because you don't have the full text there in the Gemara. There is the Sefer Ha'aruch. Well... The Sefer Ha'aruch attributes it, I don't know if he attributes it to the Ge'onim. He shows early sources in the Ge'onim. The Ge'onim were right after the Amoraim. So that's already after the time of the Gemara. And already there, you have the full text and it's part of the Siddur. So you've heard of the Siddur of Amram Ga'on, that they wrote to Rav Amram Ga'on. He was the leader of the Jewish people. He was in Babel. And they said, we are afraid that there's something wrong with our Siddurs. Can you please tell us how the davening really should be? And he wrote out for them the whole davening. And if you look at a copy of Siddur Rav Amram Gaon, you see the davening that you know. Like, essentially, it's the same davening that we know and love, you know. So that's already going back a long time. But the riff, the riff attributes it to the Anshe Knesset Hagdola. So do others. The Anshe Knesset Hagdola, that's not the time of the Amoraim. That's the beginning of the Second Temple era, right? We're talking about the end of, like, Mordechai's life. Hey, you're already getting into Anshe Knesset Hagdola. He attributes it to the Anshe Knesset Hagdola. Some attribute to Rav Yishmol Kohen Gadol, which is much later. It's still Second Temple, but it's later. So I think the real question is this first part, this Baruch Sha'amar Bahaya Ha'olam part, when exactly was this preface written? It's not perfectly clear. It was definitely existing already sometime during Bayashani, this intro. The question is where? Now, is the there's the after the Reish says after the second temple. So that's and that's so after. that's they sang right. it, but that's not the source of it. That was just okay. a way that they used it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now this the Orzarua, and this is actually something you will sometimes come across in Sfarim. This is like I don't know any other part of Davening that has like a legend. <laughs> okay, Baruch Shamar. There's there's like a legend that goes. I hate to use the word legend because it makes it. 
Sanwiker, like these are very reliable sources, that says the Anche Knesset Sagadola are the initiation of Baruch Sha'amar the way we know it, where it has these ten forms of praise of Baruch Sha'amar first, followed by the Bracha. And where did they get it from and why? That a paper fell from heaven. This is not typical, right? This is not our usual source for davening. A paper, a note, fell from heaven. And they, they found these words on it, and they realized there's something special here. And they added it on. They, like, constructed Baruch Sha'amar to account also for these words of praise at the beginning. Okay, what does that mean? I don't know. Like, what does that mean, and what's the significance? And we're not, we're not superstitious. Who so the fact that, like, sorry? Who says it? The Orza quotes it. I saw from a few sources. Tolas Yaakov quotes it in the name of the Orza Sefer Halichos. The tour says, in the name of the Sefer Halichos, Sheshevach Zed, this praise, which is the first part of the, before the preface of the bracha, Tiknuhu Anche Knesset Sagdola, Al Yedei Pisko Shenafla Min Shmaya, Umatsu Shevach Zed Kosov Ba. Yeah, the, the bracha itself exists. You see the format already is there, like that was there. But this, this is an unusual format for a bracha. You, it's almost, it's like you keep starting to say a bracha and then you fall into praise. And you start a bracha and then eventually you actually say, Baruch Hashem but you don't get to that right away. Okay? Even, even a long bracha always starts with Baruch Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaLam, Asher Yotzar HaDam right? Or Hazanas HaOlam Kulo Betuvo Bechein Bechesed Ovarachamim. You don't have a bunch of stuff first attached to it and still have it part of the bracha. This is very different. Well, we kind of have that. Like, before you even go into a shul, you, you get into this mode of... Right, but uh, it's, not, it's not part of the bracha. No, that's I'm true. saying but this is, like, part it. of the bracha, and yet it's, and then, it's it, prefacing it. I was going to add on to what Michelle just said. Is it, like, a form of, like, just med- meditative kind of... Um, it's definitely preparatory to the bracha, that's for sure. Well, it's interesting. It's just interesting structure. Uh, right. So the truth is, that's the way, when I was in school, that's the only one we said, Harini Mizaminus Pion. I don't know what you could make of that. That's like, it, it really is like a Hasidish thing to say Harini Mizaminus Pion. Oh, okay. So it's a little hard to know what to make of it. Mm-hmm. Also, it, the truth is, if you look in Sidorim, they have it in other places also. So the fact that the school that I went to happened to say that there, I don't know. Because somebody had that habit. I, I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, I have the a regular art school is there, but you don't have it everywhere. Yeah, but it is in a lo- it is in other places. They have it at the beginning of, of uh, davening altogether. You have it. You have a hinani muhanim zuman. Like, it, it's nice. I happen to like it. I, I feel like it adds, but I couldn't tell you halachically that there's something unique about it for that reason or not. Okay. So. Okay. So the tour, in quoting this Sefer Halichos about the source, that they found this note that fell from heaven and it had this text on it, goes on to say, this bracha as a whole, so now we're including from Baruch Shamar Olam through this bracha, has 87 words. So a friend of mine and I have this little collection of all the 87s we can find. That's like a different, we have 85s and 87s, yeah. Okay, so it has 87 words. 87 is Pezayin. Paz means gold. So the, the simon, like the way you remember that Baruch Sha'amar has 87 words, is Rosho Kesem Paz. His head is crowned with gold. In other words, this tefillah glows like a golden crown. Okay? It's not incidental, but it is beyond like where I am comfortable going, right? Because a crown, a crown is the word keter, right? So keter is 606, like it, um, sorry, 620. So it's the 613 mitzvahs plus the seven mitzvahs b'nei noach. It's like 620. The word keter is associated very much with the sort of perfection of the world. And I don't like refer you to the works of Rabbi Tatz. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, this is like outside, you know. 
but I mention it, meaning why should I mention it then if I don't know what I'm talking about, because those ideas, you see other hints to them with regard to Baruch Sha'amar. That's why I'm bringing it up, because we're going to see other hints that are kind of associated that, with that. Okay, and Rashi talks about the word kesem as a crown, meaning it's something that is a symbol for a king that demonstrates that he is the king, but is normally stored away in a storehouse. It's very valuable, it's not only symbolic, and it's so precious that it's not for all the time. So it's something that is tucked away and brought out on occasion because it brings to light that the, king, the king's power. And therefore, because Baruch Sha'amar is this crown of gold, you should be very careful not to add or subtract from it. Meaning that number 87 is meaningful. Okay? The only difference I'm aware of is the question of is it, well, two. One is befi or befe, okay? That you have the word hamehulal befi amo, which is how I actually grew up with it. Um, I think it's the gura who says that it should be befe because befe is gematria paz. So there is, there is a difference there. There's also some who say hakel ha'av harachaman and some who say hakel of harachaman. But the number of words doesn't change. There's no difference in like Svardi or Ashkenazi or Ari, right? That we don't touch Baruch Shamar. <laughs> Whatever brilliant ideas we have to improve davening, we don't touch Baruch Shamar with that. This kind of concept of this perfection and beauty is all really intertwined with the concept of Baruch Shamar as a whole. The Shulchan Aruch says, now we're talking about the halacha, right? Here's how you daven. You shouldn't say psuke de zimra in a rush under pressure. You should say it with pleasure. Enjoy. Relax. Benachas. You should relax and enjoy it. It doesn't mean you should skip, <laughs> okay? Rav Schwab says, it's better to say a small piece properly than to rush through, and it's always an issue with psuke de zimra. It's an issue for men, because if they're late to shul, that's the most obvious thing to cut corners on. It's an issue for sure for moms, because it's like the last thing you add into your davening, right? Like if you could nail brachos and shmona esrei, you superhuman and get a shema in there and it's like you get a medal. So the idea that you're going to manage five halalukas and an ashray and an oz yashir and brachos on each end is like, right, for special occasions, right? So on the one hand, it's always tempting and it's always, you know, we, I think we, there's a lot of opportunity there, unfortunately, for the ADD generation for us to just space out. Um, Rav Schwab says, it doesn't mean the halacha is telling us we should skip it, but we should make an effort to focus on one part of it. Not just focus for kavana, also for that, but also for enjoying it. Sure. That that's worthwhile. Sarah, when you say to focus on it, is that after you've already started saying the bracha, or when you're saying all the, that's the a good intro question. parts? That's a good question. I don't know. I would think that any part of that, it would work. Um, it sounds a little from the Lashon of the Halacha, and I'm not competent to interpret Halacha. So I'm only sharing like how it looks to me, but to actually know what the Halacha is, you'd have to ask a posik. Um, it sounds to me like it's referring more to the songs inside, but it also seems like this bracha is part of the song. So I think, I think really the spirit of this would be find the one that sings to you, <laughs> right? I mean, for some people, it's the instruments, the last hallelujah, right, with kol hanshamata haloka. I, I think it's to find the piece that really does sing to you and, and give yourself the time with that bit to enjoy it, okay? Even halachically, it's supposed to be sung in a pleasant tune in shul. Okay, does that happen? Don't know. I think in our shul it does, at least on Shabbos, when you're not in a rush. Does it happen to me? I don't know. It's a toughie. But that's really the concept. So why am I bringing that out? Number one, it's good for us to know. We should understand that that's like the concept. We, we look at it almost like a burden 
you know, like Pesukah Zimra, and really, it's supposed to be given to us, relax, enjoy, sing it, get into it. Um, but I think it's more than that, and that's where we're going to come back around to talking about Rosh Hashanah in a few minutes. Okay, so we said Baruch Sha'amar, there's this whole introduction. So let's take a look here. We have Baruch Sha'amar v'haya ha'olam, and we don't count Baruch Hu because that's actually the response, okay? Even though we say it all in together. So we have these descriptions. Rav puts it like this. We don't understand... We have no understanding of the essence of God. None. I don't, I, that's his words. I would basically say, like, how do you even use those words? Who says there is an essence? Like, I don't know. Well, we don't understand it at all. Hashem is infinite. We can't wrap our heads around it. You can go out somewhere where you can see stars at night, and the longer you look at them, the more confusing it is. Because it is not possible to even think about those distances, and those are not infinite distances. Those are not infinite sizes of stars. And we don't really have the tools in our mind to be able to deal with it, let alone infinity. Okay, we have no clue. But Hashem in the Torah has given us definitions. He's given us shamos. He's given us names, which means he has told us how we should relate to him. It doesn't mean we fool ourselves into thinking we understand but we're relating to him as he told us we should relate to him, as a father, as a king, okay? It's different, okay? Midas hadin, midas harachamim. He's unchanging, but there are different names because we are called upon to relate to him differently at different times. It might depend on how we're experiencing things. It might depend on how he's telling us that we're supposed to try and experience things. We spoke last week about a Ramban. Remember the Ramban? And the Ramban talks about about the mistakes that happened in the early years of creation and especially going into Mitzrayim, denial of God, right? Or saying that people will turn to the messengers of God, the sun, the moon, the stars, worship them. And how the miracles of Yetzirah Mitzrayim served to, served to contradict all the mistaken philosophies. The miracles of Yetzirah Mitzrayim proved that there was a God, proved he had total control over the world, it was all in his hands, proved that he notices what happens on earth, cares what happens on earth, gets involved with what happens on earth, and even speaks and communicates to human beings to let us know what his will is. Okay? All of that gets proven through Yitzhak Mitzrayim. That was that Ramban. So there's a testimony in Baruch She'amar this introduction to Baruch Amar, which is an introduction to everything of Pesuket Zimra. This is what we've been talking about in this whole long introduction to Pesuket Zimra. <coughs> All of this is a testimony that Hashem, like Yitzhiyas Misraim, it's a testimony that Hashem created the universe, is involved in the universe, notices and cares what happens to people, is involved and lets us know what his will is and pays attention. It matters to him what we do. This is the same thing as a Zechel which kind of fits if you think about the climax over here is Az Yashir, which is the climax of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Okay. So the testifying that Hashem, who is the infinite creator of the universe, is the infinite creator of the universe, and all of these other truths about his care and attention to the world, his hashkacha of the world, is described in a series of 10 baruch phrases. So without, we're going to talk again about the word baruch in a week or two. I'm not sure exactly how that plays out on the actual calendar because of the chagim. Um, and we have talked about the word baruch in brachos, but just sticking with... Baruch means Hashem is the source of all bracha. Everything comes from Him. So everything comes from Him, and we're using that word as a way of providing ten definitions of Hashem's infinite name. The explicit name which we can't even pronounce. Can you say that again? Yeah. 
What we're doing in this introduction to Baruch Sha'amar is proclaiming, we're singing it, it's joyous, but it's also a testimony that Hashem is the creator. He is infinite. He is the creator of the universe. And we re he relates to us and we relate to him. Remember, in Psuke de Zimra, it's all about the praising God by reflecting his actions in the world, right? We see what he does in the world, the forces in the world, and we praise him for it. Well, we can't see his infinity. That we can't see. So what do we do? It's like we're passing it through a 10-faceted crystal. And now it's going to break into these beams of color. We're going to have red and orange and yellow and green and blue and turquoise and indigo and purple and violet, right? We're going to have all these colors. And those we could mention or describe. And in doing so, we praise Hashem the infinite through his actions. The 10 facets are Baruch She'amar V'haya Ha'olam, he spoke and the world was. Created it. Baruch Hu, he is blessed. Baruch Oseveracious, he finalized the creation of everything from the first. Omer Ve'ose, he speaks and does. Baruch Gozer Mekayim. We're going to define each phrase separately later. Okay? He's Gozer and Mekayim, which is kind of a scary thing. He decrees and fulfills his decrees. Right? Baruch Merachim al but he also has mercy on the land, mercy on, on his creations. There is Sechar Tov there is reward. In other words, there's reward and punishment. He notices and pays attention and cares about what we do. Baruch Chaylo Advekayim Lanetzach, Baruch Pote Umatzil, Baruch Shemo. When you get right down to it, it's Baruch Shemo. This, it's his name. We can't, you know, it's like puts it all back together again. This is this series of 10, okay. So these 10 definitions of the infinite name of God, of Shem Havaya. Rav, I heard this from Rabbi Tatz. It's, it's quite a broadly expressed Kabbalistic concept, I suppose. Hashem's spiritual world, this is how he put it, interacts with this world through a series of 10 aspects, facets, or levels. They are known as Midos. They're also known as Spheros. Okay, the seven Spheros are the seven that have enough association with the physical world that we can at least know they exist and relate to them in some way. And the top three are so highly spiritualized that we can't see them at all. So there's a seven of this world, and there's a 10 that's the whole picture, so to speak. By the way, you see that very often in talking about the physical world. It will be described in sevens, but if it moves to the times of Mashiach, it'll change to be a 10. So in this world, an octave, like a nevel, like the instrument that, let's say, um, they would play like in the times of Dovin Melech, right? This sort of a harp Lear. instrument or whatever, Lear, yeah, I don't know, has seven strings, but that the nevel in the times of Mashiach will have 10, hmm. which is like, I don't know, you could make one with 10 strings now. Like what's, what's the met, right? It's talking about something specific, that the song of this world is a song of seven, but behind it all, there's actually a song of 10. It's just that it's not revealed. It's not, our world is not in a place where we see that now. Okay. Because then it repeats. We, we have right, then you go back to like Do again, again or right. C or whatever. Right, okay. In Perkeyavos, Ba'asara Ma'amaros Nivra Ha'olam, the world was created with 10 statements. This is what we're referring to here, okay? The, these 10 actually correspond to the 10 statements of creation. Okay, and the and, and this is where it starts to get our bridge here to Rosh Hashanah, I hope. And the Mishnah goes on to ask, couldn't the world have been, couldn't God have managed it all with one? <laughs> right, the world's created with 10 sentences, 10 utterances, right? Couldn't he have done it with one? Yeah, no, there's a reason. It has to play out. It unfolds into 10. He talks about it because of schar and onesh, and, okay? It plays out as 10. But the truth is, it's not clear when you, when you learn into that topic. It seems like there are nine vayomers, not 10. The first of which is beratius bara elokim, meaning the world wasn't even created for the statement to be heard in it, okay? So you have one and then that unfolds into nine. That's the idea of Barashas Barlakim. Everything was created by Hashem. And then 
on the first day, the light comes out, right? That the, this, the Ramban's approach is that, I think it's the Ramban, everything was created on the first day, all the matter, and then Hashem keeps on forming it throughout the six days of the creation. Okay. Which means that you have 10 statements, which is really one statement, but it's 10. Okay. That's, that's very consistent with everything else we've ever learned. You have Aseris Hadipros. The Torah is given with 10 commandments, right? But it really is all expressed in the first one of Anochi Hashem Okecha. Really, that says it all. Really, the word Anochi by itself says it all. Really, the Aleph says it all. Okay, this idea that sometimes you can have the fundamental principle and it unfolds in a series of 10. There's the one, it unfolds to 10. So the Shla talks about this. The Shla says you should know that the idea of one and the idea of 10 and the idea of 100 are really all the same fundamental principle. It's just how far it plays out into the physical world. One, I mean, one. It, well, no, Uncle Moishi, right? It's Beferish and Uncle Moishi. One is Hashem, okay? <laughs> Hashem Echad, right? That, that is not, let's call that not so played out into the physical world, okay? That's one. That's the source of everything. What's 10? Well, whenever you have 10, we just said, 10 is the unfolding. The, that which is spiritual, then acting upon the physical world, happens in a series of 10, 10 stages, not only that, we recognize that when we miser. When you take challah, when you miser money, when you miser produce, when you miser cattle, you take one part out of the ten. What are you saying? You're saying in recognizing that one-tenth, right, there's a oneness here that is the core of the source of all this bracha. So nine parts maybe unfolds that I'll take, but I'll never take the whole thing. Because understand that the source of everything, the first, the best, the source of it all, is from the spiritual side. The number 100, the Shloss says, is that even more played out, which is why there's a mitzvah to say 100 brachos a day. So 100 is associated with the bracha side, like the bracha aspect of this oneness. Meiser is associated with the 10 aspect. Meiser is trumos with the 10 aspect. And one is associated with the source of it all. So it plays out, and that one just moves over in its digits, right? Like it's the same number. It's not just that, I mean, these numbers are associated with each other. Okay. So he says these numbers are really connected. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The maestros, the brachos. He says it all goes the same place. This line, the line of thinking from each of them will lead you to the same understandings. Hang on. There was one point I wanted to bring from here, but I don't know if I could see it. Okay. That it's from and that it's from this that all of the flow of from Atsilos, from that unity of God and His will comes to us. Right. So Rav Hirsch connects the ideas. He says, when you realize that what you have and what you have become, which I just love that, right? is due to the gifts that are a result of the love of God, then you must reflect, where has your life fallen short and unworthy of this love? By the way, this is, this is tachlis, like not a, a valid and productive way to approach saying, I want to sit down and do a cheshbon and nefesh for a sarah sumei You could take this approach and make great progress, okay? Realize, if you, you should realize that what you have become, what you have and what you have become is all due, is due to all these gifts resulting from the love of God. There is love of God, that is chesed, that's the first of the midos, the first of the ten of the spheros, that's the, that's the one, that's the source of everything coming, okay, is chesed and love. And it unfolds into gifts. And everything that we have and everything that we have become is a result of God's love for us. Starting in that point, in that frame of mind, that takes time to really soak up that idea in your head and let it fill all your thoughts. Then you must reflect where your life has fallen short and unworthy of this love. I love that when your stuff mirrors Rabbi Goldberg, because that's not our homework. Yeah, probably. I, <laughs> it wasn't this source, but I came to him with a different source that I hope to get to today. That was like, oh, yeah, that really connects. It's not so surprising. 
It was the rabbi in our shul many years ago. Yeah. He said you must reflect. Where your life has fallen short and unworthy of this love. If everything I have and everything I am is a direct result of his love and his gifts to me that are an expression of that love, there's places where I have not behaved as if I was aware of that at every moment. That's the truth. That's the truth. A reverse can say that globally and know that every one of, any one of us who can't say that that's true is not paying attention. Every, if we walk around every second knowing yeah. that he loves us, yeah. we, we, we would just change the way we behave. Yeah. Yeah. So one step towards tshuva then is recognizing that. And f- from that point of love saying, and, and have I behaved, where have I not behaved accordingly? Not have I. Where have I not behaved accordingly? Where have I not treated? Where, where has he given me something and I used it for me? Or I used it to hurt somebody? Right? Where did I, where, how did I treat it? He gave me a gift. How did I treat it? Did I care about it? Did I act? What about these other people? He loves them too. How did I treat them? Am I glad they're in my life? And how am I treating them? Like, he gave me time. He gave me energy. What did I use it for? You should confess the fault. That is the first step towards tshuva. And it's hard. You know, it hurts more when you recognize what you've done wrong in light of how much love is there and to give you the tools which you used yourself against God's will. It, that hurts more. We'll call that the warning. It hurts more, but it's still a stronger place to come and do tshuva from. And when you view your past life and the, the pain that it causes you to realize that you have taken the gifts he's given you and sometimes used them against him, you should also let it fill you with thoughts of the greatness of God's glory and favor and the smallness of your own merit. Just the bits I can grasp are so big, and the things that I've done are so small. Mm-hmm. And that leads you, says Rev Hirsch, to a sense, a feeling of resolution. Like, I resolve to do better than that. Okay, so he has just described, really, it's really like the Hilchus Tshuva, right? The regret, the love, the confession, right? But This is like an emotional thing. It's not a dry step-by-step process. This is like, it's deep and it, it really recruits like your heart and your mind and your actions. But there's an incredible chiddush on the end of this. He says that feeling, the expression of this resolution, like that sense of resolve is called bracha. Okay, so this sheds a completely new light on what it means to say a bracha. So part of it I'm going to remind you, I didn't bring the source with me. I always have it in my phone, by my side, just in case. But Rav Hirsch, there's a beautiful essay in the Hirsch Haggadah, between pages like 49 and 51, on the word baruch. And Rav Hirsch says, when we say baruch atah Hashem, we are not asking God to give to us. We're saying, may your will be implemented through me. Okay. With that, that, that essay is well worth reading, and you are welcome. Contact me. I'll send you a, a Xerox of that page. <laughs> I'm sure we have recordings. I've read it inside at least twice in this class. It's... You could build, just like you could build your whole tshuva around this piece that I just read, you could build your whole life around that baruch. But understanding that this is where he's coming from, the expression of resolution is bracha. It's saying Hashem, remember what are brachos? The section of tefillah that's brachos is looking at all the means and resources in the world, recognizing that they're from Hashem, and dedicating them to him. That's the resolve, right? The resolve is recognizing that Hashem is giving me so much, and my resolve to do differently is to use that which he has given me for him. 
That's miyad chakol umiyad chanasanu lach. From your hand is everything, and from your hand we give to you. That, that's, that's really, that's our tshuva, and that's what we're saying. And I, I hope for myself, like, I feel like I've rediscovered this passage. It's been sitting here in my notebook for several years. But I, last time I did this shir, I think it was close to Hanukkah time. And I didn't see it the same way. I didn't get it. Like, I was focused on the lehodos, and, and that's a beautiful shir also. But, <laughs> but now it's Rosh Hashanah time. And I realize, like, no, he's talking about tshuva. He says it's tshuva. This is the first step of tshuva. That's what it is. This is this is more than the first step. By the time you get through it, this is okay. Is this is Baruch That is Chorev. In my volume, it's page four seventy-five. It's like essay ninety-eight, paragraph six twenty-two on Modim. Wait, what was the essay number again? Ninety-eight. They're like chapters, but each chapter is like an essay, and it's paragraph six twenty-two. That the versions that I've seen of the Chorev. Every like paragraph or two is numbered. It's like a number, so it's paragraph six hundred and twenty-two. Yeah, it's a little confusing actually until you get used to <laughs> navigating it. What do you mean when you said you were focused on that? Uh, uh, because there's another, there's a whole approach here of, and it's appropriate. It could be well, I don't, I don't think we have a class between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, so I'm not sure. But it's a whole connection of the word Toda, like gratitude, and Vidui, confession. You can put the pieces together yourselves right now based on this, what I said. Okay? So for Hanukkah, which is about Lahodos, it's also very apt, and that was the time of year that we were learning it. Okay? But, but Lamaisa, okay, it's here also. Lahodos, Ulahalel. I'm saying it's not. This, is, this goes all in the theme of Baruch Shamar. Okay. So we have time for, we don't really have time for one more piece, um, but I would like to do it if we can. So. I think, like, officially, we should, the share is probably over. I told them to tell me, please, when they have a, because they've had a few meetings sometimes right afterward. Okay, so I'm going to close with this thought, and it could be I'll do one more Rosh Hashanah thought after, since we don't have any more classes between now and Rosh Hashanah. Um, and I don't know that we can, we're going to have anything before Yom Kippur either, because Erev Yom Kippur is a Tuesday, and the Yom Kippur, and the Tuesday before that is Rosh Hashanah. So I don't think we have any more classes in between. Okay, so this is one last idea. This is also from Chorev. In Baruch Sha'amar and Psuke de Zimra, for the first time in divine service, meaning tefillah, you are about to pronounce the word Baruch. Okay, he's not counting brachos as part of this particular avoda. There's different reasons why that would be so. Which contains the decisive thought for life. That word. By the way, Rav Schwab, who is from that chain of learning, right, of German Jews, when somebody came to him and asked him for advice how to concentrate, how to have better kavana, he said, concentrate on the words Baruch Atoa Hashem throughout your davening. If you can work on those, everything else will follow fine. Okay? You are about to pronounce the word Baruch, which contains the decisive thought for life, that the all-holy God also looks upon human life, that human thought, feeling, word, and deed, those are the four levels of the olamos. Whenever he does these sets of four all the time. Human thought, feeling, word, and deed are not matters of indifference to him. That means he cares about them. They make a difference to him. But are to be employed as servants in the fulfillment of his will. I'm not ashamed of having a body. It's to be employed to do his will. Baruch Hashem, may your will be fulfilled through me. I'm not ashamed that I have feelings, that sometimes things hurt me, even though I might know in my mind that it's all from God and it's all good. I'm not ashamed of that. The question is, how do I recruit that towards the service of God? Okay, anything in my life is like that. You thus bring thoughts to your soul which oppose the foolish idea that the all-holy God is too exalted to care for human activity. This, okay. this is the thought of Baruch Shamar. And over and over again, Baruch, 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 it's 13 times in that one paragraph. And you may your will be implemented through me. That's his definition all of Baruch Ato Hashem. And like that. Our whole day is structured yeah, around 100 like brachos. When you think of that, Siva Vechasima Tova.
Yeah. Awesome stuff. That, that should take us to Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You know? Just like that focus. Yeah. 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 I'm going to put it on a post-it and stick it in my phone. I know. Yeah. Move it around. It's a good idea. Maybe we can make something pretty out of it. You know what I also like? Actually, there's a whole bunch. No, but, I, but like that really resonated. Well, one was just so funny. You know, pause. You just made sense mm. of that. Wherever you are in Eretz Yisrael, there's always the gas station. It's yellow. And like gold. Every time you that see it, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> such a simple thing. Black gold. Like, that was cool. And then um, I really liked and not all petroleum liquid gold. Liquid gold or black gold. I just. Right? I was. I was. I actually remember asking. I asked my um, nieces and nephews. You know, sometimes you're driving the car with everybody. Whatever. I rented a car there, and I drove for the first time there, like, everywhere. Um, so I'm like, what does pause mean? No one knew what it meant. It means but, gold. That's not a like, secret. You know what? I don't it's know. a kind of I archaic my, word, my maybe. I don't know. It's a little no old-fashioned word, to, maybe. And I never was in the car with... That's funny. I mean, it's sukim. It's like not a not such a hidden one. So I don't know. It gives you a nice hook also. I say befiamo, but if you say befeamo in your Baruch Sha'amar... So it's a nice, quick thing that can catch you in the middle and help bring you back in. Yeah, I like that. Because it adds up to 87. I, mean. I wanted to tell, you, to tell you that years ago, I, um, I realized like, at davening, we, sh- we should just be letting everything go, and we should be completely relaxed when you're talking about when you say Baruch Shamar, that it should be time you're relaxing and just singing, because you're handing everything over to God. That's the one time you can focus <laughs> on that. And um, I was speaking with a chiropractor who went up to his rabbi at the time, wherever he was, and he just, you know, put his hands on his shoulders, just like, you know, and he said, wow, he felt so Mm. relaxed. And that's what his rabbi told him. Every day I let everything go to God. Yeah. There is this concept that a person... Where did I... I just read this. Oh, I read it in this Sefer that Rabbi Goldberg's doing, the Shlomo Hoffman, Sichosim HaRav Hoffman book that, that Rabbi Goldberg's doing. Yeah, so he was mentioning in there, but I don't know if it was in his own name or he was saying it's someone else's name, like a person who has real Yerushamayim, which means fear, fear of heaven, is relaxed and not scared. And we saw that idea. Rav Hirsch said it in, in about Gvura, right? The Yerushamayim, in learning Yerushamayim, we unlearn the fear of anything or anyone else. Well, we just really I mean, remind ourselves to have it when we there's are stressed. Nothing else. We just need to right. say, you know what? It's or that the cue, happen. wait a minute, I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling afraid. Feeling afraid reminds me what there is really to be afraid of and not to be afraid of. I mean, we have the job to do the steps that we need to do to, right. to accomplish whatever it is we need to do, but then everything else is up to God. Right. Right. Know, and this idea of that resolution, that yeah. resolve that is Baruch, so that it isn't my will, it's his will that I'm striving for, then it's, it's his, it, he talks over there in the Haggadah about then it's God's hand who's working right. through you. You're, you're the tool. You're not the energy. So you don't have any more fear like, oh, I won't have the koach to do it. I don't have the ability to do it. Like if it is in fact called upon you to do, but it is God's will, and you don't have to worry about how much energy there is any more than like a, a fork has to worry about how much energy there is to take, like, That's do the job. True. Like, it's like, it's not up to the fork to get the job done. It's up to the fork to be willing to participate and, like, be the tool. I like that a lot. Thank you. So, if you, whoever wants, I have this amazing piece from a partner that I would love to share with you. So, if you have time and if the, we don't get chased down. How, how long would it be? I just have to go between teach. five so and ten go minutes. Go oh, then I'm going to hear it. I'm sorry, I'm just okay. being realistic. Yeah. No, that's why I, I said we better finish. And, <laughs> and I love this Thank one you. also. Not a shame of my body. It's meant to, to be used in service of the show. So happy I'm for you. So happy for you. That's beautiful. Oh, so you know what I didn't say? I can't believe it. This is the whole idea of Elul leading into Yom Hadin. It starts with love. Look at all the love. Ani dodi vidodi li. Otherwise, it's hard to understand. Why do you go from Elul to judgment? 
But this line of thought that Rav Hirsch said in Korav is exactly that. Right? The process starts, the judgment even of ourselves really begins with, before we recognize the faults, is recognizing the love. It, that's where he starts, though. That would be where your avoda would start, then, is first on that. People do, like, gratitude lists, and because it keeps you focused on... It doesn't only keep you focused. Like, there's enough experience behind it. It doesn't sound like it would do much. But writing down, if you set aside an hour or two or three, like an uninterrupted slab of time to write down everything you're grateful for that you've been given in your life, as you go along, the things you're grateful for change. You start noticing different aspects, and it does tend to fill you with a sense of being loved. When I was younger, when I was younger, when I was a younger parent, each of my kids had little notebooks by their bed, and I had them write what they're grateful for. And I don't know why. I think just life took over. Yeah, we know? get in different but habits and phases. But yeah, yeah. Okay, it's so a, it's, a good, it's very good. It's good for yourself. Yeah. But I, I find it's hard to if, if let's say a child is not feeling that way. They're not. You can't do this avoda for them. I know, and that's why you know you we can can't say, do it for them. You can only model it yourself. You can only model it yourself. Yeah, and not, yeah. not obviously. You right. do it yourself. Also, and sometimes it's stories of other people. I think that's the most effective. Uh, if you're that kind of person, like, you find, um, I, like, I think the stories are really effective. Just about other people and what they've gone through and then how they ended up, like, yeah. looking at a shem. I don't know. I try to always put the focus on, well, look how things, you know, ended up working out. You know, the problem with that is... Sometimes the big picture yeah. takes a thousand years to clarify, and then right. then it's rough. But even just you want to feel it along the way. Yeah, to say, like, it remind you, know, you. Look at all the things that went right, you yeah. know, as yeah. opposed to look at all the things that didn't go right. I mean, it's just like it's a young, 